You never can have too much too much faith in the Lord, can you? No, you sure can't. Alrighty. Well, this morning, uh, title the message: Our Obligation. And uh, sometimes I know we may, uh, using the word obligation, I'm not sure if that was the best word for me to use, but because I think sometimes we have a bad connotation about that. We say, well, I don't want to be obligated. A lot of people who say that sign mortgages and uh, sign for credit cards and things like that. And so I don't want to be obligated to anybody. I understand that in a sense. But you know what? God's done so much for us. He's done so much for us. Our obligation. Father, help us now. May we focus our attention upon the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peter's writing to some people that uh, he calls strangers. If you have your Bible still open, you can look at verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He's writing to these people, and he calls them strangers, and these were folks who needed some encouragement. And uh, these were folks who were going through some times of, of suffering. And uh, that's life sometimes. Life sometimes is times of suffering. Well, thank the Lord for the good times and when everything is fine. But it's not always that way. There's going to be times of suffering that will come along in our life. And, and we find that in the book of Job, we find that God... Uh, dealt with Job, and, and, I, and I thought, you know what, God did not explain why he was going through all that suffering, but you know what he did? He taught him how to go through the suffering. You know, usually we're wanting to know the reason why. Why is this happening to me instead of learning this, how to go through the suffering? You know, it's a sad thing when we turn on God, and people do that. People get mad at God, something happens, and they blame God right away. And, and I think if you really look at it, it's probably because of the decisions that we make in life. And we think that maybe, I guess what the idea is this, that, okay, I made a bad decision, but God, now you just nullify it and, and switch it all around. But he, he, he warned us that we reap what we sow. And so we, we find that God never asks us in the Word of God to understand the, the times of sufferings that we have. But he admonishes us to trust him. He's just saying, just trust me. And, and trust means this. I don't understand what may be in the future. I don't understand what this is all about, but I'm going to trust you. I'm sure Job thought that when he was going through and all of his children died and, and, and lost everything. I'm sure he's wondering, why is this all happening? But God was wanting him to just trust him. And, and, and the Lord wants us in our hearts, too, to lean upon him in everything that happens in our lives. And so Peter was reminding these suffering believers of the things that would help them through the storms of life. You know, this morning you may say, Preacher, you know what, I'm, maybe, maybe young folks can sit here this morning and you know, imagine the two boys on the front row here don't have a whole lot of problems. Wait, they all have brothers and sisters. Yes, they do. Uh, but what happens? They don't have a whole lot of problems, not like the rest of us. They're young. They don't have to worry about a lot of things. But the time will come because we were young people like them one day too, weren't we? And we were ones that were taken care of by others. And then we found out that there is a lot of responsibility in life. And there's a lot of troubles, a lot of trials that go along with our life. And we're reminded about several things here in the verses. And I won't go through them all, reading them now. But in verses 1 through 5, we read about our great salvation. And it wonderful to be saved? 
to know that you're going to heaven. And, and he reminds them about the great salvation, about a great inheritance that we have in verses 3 through 5. It talks about that. It talks about our great trials that we'll have. And that's verses 3 through 11. And then we find our great love in verses 3 through 8. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things to think about, our salvation, our inheritance in the Lord, our, our trials that we have, the love that God has for us. We rejoice in all these things. And I think about the first one when I mentioned about salvation, how wonderful it is to have a no-so salvation. Not hope so, no-so. We talked to a lady last week out soul winning. She says, well, we hope so. You know, I'm sure a lot of people hope a lot of things, but you know what? We've got more than a hope-so salvation. We have a no-so salvation. But with this no-so salvation, with this so great of salvation, comes great obligation because of what God did for us. You know, to think that the way God saved us and what the reason he created us you know, the Bible tells us very plainly here in, in the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Listen to it. I'll read it to you. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God created us for good works. So when we're, doing, we're not doing good works, we're not doing what we were created for. And God wants us to be, we're created for those good, good works. And I love what it says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God said, this is my will. You know, oftentimes preachers preach about find God's will. But here's the thing, do God's will too. And as we find it, we do God's will. And, and what it does, it fulfills, help, helps us to fulfill the obligation that we have of what Christ has done for us. How great is salvation? I said, how great is salvation to think that I won't have to spend one moment in hell. But yet I cannot think, how can we say I don't feel an obligation? After what God gave for me, if somebody was to go out and buy me a new vehicle, I would say, oh man, thank you so much. And they pay that money, it's all paid for. And then I'm going down the road and I see them out there standing along the road doing this. I would feel obligated to give him a ride, right? I would, he would say, well, preacher, you ought not have to feel the obligation. No, I'm saying this, man, they gave me this car. There's no way I could pass them up and not give them a ride. God gave me salvation. He gave it to you too, didn't he? How can we pass up the opportunities we have to do his will and serve him? We got saved, something wonderful happened. The Bible tells us we're new creatures with a new life. The Bible says, behold, all things become new. I'm so thankful for that. But then we get down to verses 13 through 16, and we find this obligation. Look at what it says there in verse 13 again. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, be holy in all manner of conversation. I think our problem is so oftentimes that we tend to forget that we owe the Lord for the blessings that we have, especially when the trials come. 
we have an obligation when everything's going right. We have an obligation when everything's not going right. You know, I use the illustration about if someone bought me a car, I want to give them a ride. What happens if I see someone along the road I could help? I want to feel obligated to do that too. Be careful picking up hitchhikers though. Not really a wise thing to do, ladies, already. But here, here's the thing. What I'm saying is this. We, we just sometimes, because of the good things, we feel obligated. But when the bad things, we still don't feel the obligation. We're still obligated to the Lord even when things are not going our way. Because you still have salvation. You still have salvation. And so when things aren't going well, we need to realize we still owe the Lord so much. And, and, and it, even as much as when the things are all going well for us. You see, there's a path that God has for us that we're to follow when things are going well and when things are not going well. When you lose the job, you still serve Jesus. When your bank account's empty, you still serve Jesus and praise him. As I'm a preacher, it's very hard. It may be, but if you think about what we talked about in my Sunday school class, we, you see, we can give thanks to God for everything that he does for us. And even when trials come, we can, we can be a thankful people when Things are not going always the way we should. God always knows what's best. Amen. So we have obligations. So preacher, what do we have obligations for? Well, I think we find it in these verses, verse 13, where he said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up. That means to tuck in a garment. In the days of our Lord, the people, they wear those robes. But there was a race that the men would do. They would gird up their loins. They would bring those up and they would tuck them in. And the word girt means to tuck in. And, and they would tuck that in. To where, and usually it was in preparation for a race. You know, the Bible tells us that we're in a race too. We're in a race that is set before us. And we're to run the best we possibly can. And we never will unless we gird up our loins. Is what he's saying here. Again, remember, he's, re- he's writing to these Christians. They're scattered all over. And they're going through troubles. And they're going through trials. But he's saying, hey, don't forget you have salvation. Don't forget all the benefits. But in your trials, in your troubles, stay on the path and gird up your loins. You've got a race to run. We need to be strong in the Lord all the time. Oh, strong in the Lord when everything is right. You know, it's easy in a testimony time to give good testimony of the Lord when everything's going well. But you know, we can give testimony when everything isn't going well. Because God is always good. Always is. God's always right and God is always good. And we can give testimony even when things fall through, when it seems like it's the end of the road for us. There's still a God in heaven. Again, put our minds on the eternal is what we're talking about. I think Joshua understood this. The Bible says in Joshua 24, 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, he said this, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which are your fathers, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He said, You need a choice, but I like what he did. He said, But as for me and my house. He said, Y'all make your own decision. I already made mine. But as for me and my house, what did, what did he say? We will serve the Lord. He made the right decision to serve the Lord. He felt that, he said, why did he decide to serve the Lord? I'd have to say this, he felt obligated. 
Not in the thing like, I have to do it. But kind of like this, I owe it to the Lord. You know, if the Lord would save us, how in the world can we use our own life for our own self? He saved my life. He saved my soul, but he saved my life. How can I not give? How can I not surrender to him? My will, I, I just, I, I feel this obligation, not something that is weighing heavy on me, but something that I feel like I've got to do this because I cannot pay for my salvation. I can't even keep myself saved. But I can give myself to the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 6, 6, 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Oh, I can be strong in him. And we can be strong by, by girding ourselves up here and getting ready for that race that is set before us. Now, I like when I preach about that race that's set before us. Understand this, God is not asking you to come in first place. A lot of races we run, we don't come in first place. I've used the illustration before when, when, I, was, when I was in soccer. Uh, they ran us a lot there too. And I remember coach would say, all right, he'd put, we'd have to go from a certain line. I can't remember how far it was and to another line. He said, all right, the first 10 get to go into the showers. And we'd run. And I was never a fast runner. I mean, if a dog was chasing me, it was going to catch me, all right? I mean, if a toddler, I'm saying this, if a nursery child was chasing me, they'd probably catch me. But I, I, I'd try to run, and I couldn't finish. I, I, couldn't get, I couldn't be the first one in. And coach would say, all right, the rest of you line up. And then he would say, all right, the next five. I'm like, oh, I have ten because they'll get there faster. But he goes, five, the next five. And we run down there, and the next five go to the showers. And so all the slow people are running more than the fast ones. And so all the fast kids, they're in there getting a shower, and we're, and you know what's going to happen. Time we get in, it's all going to be cold water left behind. And so we run again. And, I, and oftentimes I thought, why do I have to run so much? But I knew this. I wanted to be on the game. I chose to be on the team, and I feel obligated to finish this. And I would run, and I was always, always the last group in. Finally, coach would say, all right, for the rest of you, go get a shower. We didn't run to the showers. We walked, huffing and puffing and wheezing, amen? And we would go to the shower. But you know what it was? It was this. Hey, we may not be first, but we can finish. Amen. You may not be first. You say, preacher, I can't do what other people can do, but you can finish the race. You can finish the race that God set before you. In other words, what? Never giving up. And I think this is what he's talking about. He said, he said we need to be strong in the Lord. I feel an obligation to be strong in him because I have a race that I need to finish and not sit on the sidelines. Well, I guess probably all of us have the, have the thoughts of someday when we can't do things. As we get older. I think of dear folks in the rest homes. Just can't do anything but just stay in the rest home. And I think, you know what, I never want to get that way. And, and, and you know, I, I just I want to go to heaven running, at least walking fast. And, and, I, and I think about, you know, how, how sad, sad it is. But, you know, uh, I, I, just, I, just, I, I, I always think I don't want to get to a place where I can't do what God wants me to do. One of the things in the back of my mind goes through my mind sometimes is this. A fear of not being able to preach again someday. I know that health sometimes happens. I know that sometimes we can't. Voices go. 
back in my mind, you said, well, you need to trust the Lord. I am. But there's always that little bit of fear in the back of my mind saying, you know, what if your voice goes? But here's the thing. If it does, may the week before it does, I still preach the word of God. You say, why? I feel an obligation. That's why when people ask me, say, well, what, when are you going to retire? I, I, don't, I don't want to retire. I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not planning on retiring. I, I plan on, you say, well, why? And, and again, this is, this is the way I, way I feel in, in my brain. I feel obligated. After what God did for me, I've got to give him my life. Not just a portion, but all of it. We have the obligation also to be sober-minded, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up your loins uh, of your mind. Be sober. We need to so be sober-minded. That means to think serious. You know, you have to stop and think about this. Satan is very serious about what he does. Satan is very serious about what he does. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, listen to it, please. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. God tells us to be sober and vigilant. In other words, be on our toes. Be watching. Why? Because we have an enemy that's very diligent and very sober about what he's doing. We need to be sober-minded. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. You know, the devil sets all kinds of traps, doesn't he? He sets all kinds of traps for us, and we've got to be very careful and be sober-minded. And again, now remember what we're talking about is, 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 is that as the apostle here is writing and warning all these Christians that are scared about, they're going through troubles and trials. He said, hey, you gird up your loins and gird up yourself. Be ready to run that race. And not only that, but also to, to be sober-minded. There's also, when, when I think about being sober-minded, we've got to be on our toes about this, of always thinking on the right things. We'd read about it this morning in a Sunday school lesson. Think on these things. You know, we've got to make sure we think the right way. You say, Preacher, how can I know what's the right way to think? Look to the Word of God. The Word of God will help us to know what we're to think about. But then we have an obligation to be steadfast in our walk. Verse 13 again. He says, Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope to the end. What that means, it means not to quit or to be double-minded. Hope to the end. In other words, don't, don't, don't have any doubt in there. Keep that blessed hope. And that hope is not, I cross my fingers hope. That hope, that blessed hope that we have in the Lord. With the Lord, you know, a lot, a lot of Mennonites say, well, we're just hoping. We've got that hope. And they don't mean about that blessed hope that we have. I'm talk, they're talking about we just have to hope and guess maybe we'll have eternal life and see what God chooses. God already chose, didn't he? God already chose. We have an obligation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, you know, we've got to be steadfast in our walk, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's something we can always do. Again, we may not be <coughs> the ones that will win the race. We can all be folks who will finish the race. The race really isn't over till the last guy goes through. You know, those who ran faster may be finished sooner, but the race still goes on. You know, there's a lot of folks that used to sit in these pews here today. Their race is over. They're in heaven right now. 
They've already finished their race, but we have a race that is still set before us. We're going to be careful. 2 Peter 3.17 says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. We've got to be careful. You know, I think, I think this too sometimes as we grow older, you're a little bit more careful about things. You know why? Parts of our body break easier as we grow older. Our bones become more brittle. And, uh, you know, I, I know with, with my feet, I'm having a lot of trouble with my feet. And, and, and I, feel, I stumble sometimes. And uh, when I get up in the woods, especially in un, uneven ground and rocks and that, I have a hard time. And uh, it's very frustrating uh, sometimes when those things happen. And so what I've got to do is be careful. And you know what? We've got to be careful. When you go down the steps, these kids, they just run up the steps like they're not there. How about the rest of us folks that have more sense? You hold on, you know, you're careful, you look down, make sure you watch your feet as you walk down those steps. Aren't we a little bit more careful? God says you need to be careful because we're not careful. We can hurt ourselves spiritually too. Be careful. We have an obligation to be submissive to the Lord, verse 14, as obedient children. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1, children obey your parents. Amen. An amen out of the front row? An amen out of the front row? Did you say amen? Oh, okay. Just want to make sure they got to obey your parents. Children obey their parents. You said you said that already, but they got thick skulls. But children obey their parents. And we all understand that, don't we? You know, you got to be a crazy parent not to believe that and not enforce it. Do you know what God wants us to do? Be obedient unto him. Be obedient unto him. Not fashioning. I, I believe when we're to be submissive to him, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. I grew up here to preach or preach all the time about God's will for your life. I know you used to always say about us young folks, he said, young folks, you need to find God's will but he did, not, he did not stop there. He said, then do God's will. And you've heard me give testimony of I had plans on what I was going to do for my life. And what I was doing, I was asking God to be okay with it. And again, I wasn't really saved until I was 17. But I was always, I would always pray, Lord, I, this is what I want to be. I want to be an accountant. I'm going to go to Bob Jones, and that's what I'm going to do. God put your approval on it. God saved me, and then what happened after that? He called me. I remember my preacher always said, give your life to the Lord. I didn't know all what God was calling me to do. But I came to a place in my life where I said, Lord, I surrender. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I will do. I kind of gave him a blank check. But you know what? God knows how to fill out those blank checks. And God will fill it out, and he will equip us to do what that will is. And I thought, you know how important it is to obey our Lord. I'll be honest with you, you know, we're going to have 40 years here. I was assistant pastor for, what, five and a half years? So five and a, 45 and a half years I've been in the ministry. Went, went to college. God called me to preach. Went to Bible college. Just right away, went off, right off to Bible college and uh, spent five years there. And then graduated in May, July 5th. I was in full-time Christian service. And ever since. 
I just take it to this. When God calls, God wants you to keep running the race. And God wants you to surrender to him and obey him. You know, one of the things I've been doing for all these years, too, is this. Always praying, Lord, help me to be willing to preach whatever you lay on my heart to preach. Now, in these 40 years, I've said some hard things from the pulpit. But I've said things according to the word of God that I know might be hard, but I promised God I'd say what he wanted me to say. Well, sometimes I've misspoken. Sometimes I've not always maybe said it in the love that I should. But honestly, I've always asked God, Lord, help me say whatever you want me to say. In my sermons that I preach, Lord, I want the sermon you want me to preach, not the one I can't have. I've got boxes of sermons. But I always ask God, give me the sermon that we need. You know, we need to be submissive to the Lord. We have the obligation to be separate from the world, verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. We're not to, we ought to feel obligated not to follow this old world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 6, 17, it says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. you know, God wants us to be separate on our sign out there along the road out that way. I believe it still says it on there, doesn't it? Yeah. Soul winning, separated, you know, fundamental. That separation is an important part. I'm going to be separated. I feel this because I'm obligated because of what the Lord has done for me. I'm not to <clears throat> fit in the mold of this world. <clears throat> I'm obligated to separate from this world. The world is not my guide. The world does not determine how I act. This book determines that. In fact, the matter is, it determines our, really everything that's very important. Our modesty is determined by the word of God. You know, you see, a lot of times Christians determine their modesty by the world. And the world says a lot of things are modest when they are not, when you look into the word of God. Amen. Stay with me now. So, so there, there's an obligation to be separate from the world. We're so oftentimes ready to conform to the world, but Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It always bothers me when I see people start following the trends of the world. You know, I remember, I know I said, but uh, I had, when, when um, uh, Fonzie came on the scene, you know, and, and parents were dressing their kid, their little boys like Fonzie. I thought, you know, why don't you dress your kid like a Christian? Why some jerk? Why some idiot? Why some pervert? Dress a kid like that. And what happens, little girls today, you, you walk down through Walmart and it almost looks like, it looks like clothing for prostitutes. Hard to find anything decent. Are we're so worried about conforming to the world or to conform to the Lord? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have the obligation also to be serious about sin. Serious about sin. He said, verse number... Uh, verse verse number uh, 
15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. In how much? In all manner of conversation. Conversation doesn't mean just your speech. That's your life. That's your life. You see what we need to be is serious about sin. Look with me to Second, Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians in chapter number 1. And look at verse number, uh, verse number 10. The Bible says, When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day, wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Listen to this, verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God's telling us here uh, we have an obligation to be serious about sin because we're to be holy. Sin and holiness does not go together. The sin's got to be taken care of. You say, preacher, why do you preach against sin? Because we're to be holy. What God said, we're to be holy. And I think, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's amazing that, that so many times we think that the holy, holiness is just some group of a church somewhere. But the truth of the matter is, they, may, they, they think their holiness is going to save them. That holiness that you have will not save you. But because you're saved, there's an obligation to be holy. I feel like, you know, how can I not be? For the Lord after what he's done for me. I mean, if it, it, I don't think there would be any problem with what I'm preaching about this morning if we got to the place of realizing what really God did for us. We have the obligation to be safe from judgment, verse 16. Because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. He said, now you need to be holy. That means this, we've got to be careful. We need to be serious about sin. But we need to understand the judge is a holy judge. I think we live in a time we understand a lot of judges are not holy in America today. You know, every time you turn around, there's a judge that is staying something. And they're saying, this is, uh, this is not right. You've got to stop this or you've got to do this. And, 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 I, and, I find, you know, and I think, too, you know, all these people that are committing such evil crimes and being set free, they're not being holy. But you know, God's always holy. Every judgment of God is right. You know, when you read in the word of God, and especially you look in the Old Testament, a lot of people had the hand of God come down upon them in a very hard way. In a way that they deserved. Because God is holy. You say, well, God's holy. God overlooked it. We have this idea that God's okay with sin because he's holy. No, he's holy and because, and because he is not okay with sin is proof that he is holy. The world talks about the Lord one moment, and the next moment they're, they're guzzling their liquor and smoking their cigarettes and cursing their curse words, and they feel like God is okay with it. 
It always, it always grieves me when you hear, you know, of movie stars and, and, and actors and, 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 and some of these sports people, and they'll, they'll cuss and swear, and then yet they give thanks to God for what he's doing for them. I, I'm thinking, you know what? You need to be holy. Our speech should be holy. Our actions should be holy. Why? He said, for I am holy. The world talks about the Lord one moment and then acts like the devil the next. But God's holy. We ask the question, how do we stay away from the judgment? The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 17, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end, of, end be of them that obey not the gospel of, our, of God? You know, God's saying, you know where judgment needs to start? It needs to start with us. Our country's in a bad shape. You say, well, what can we do? Well, we need to start right here to get right with God. If my people will humble themselves. Didn't he say that? And what did God made a promise? And I know it was to Israel, but I think we can take it too. He promised to heal our land. But here what we're doing, we're saying, God, heal our land. And God's saying, what about the first part? What are you going to do about it? God's the judge. And what we've got to do is is this first. We've got to judge ourselves. You say, well, then, then I'll, I'll judge myself and I'll say everything's okay. No, you judge by the book. The Word of God. You know we're going to be judged by the book someday by God? He's the author of the book. And He will judge us because and by the Word of God. That's why we need to make sure if God speaks to us about something, we take care of it right away. Amen. You know, an invitation will be an invitation here in a moment. We sit through invitations. You know what happens sometimes? God speaks to us in an invitation. And we stifle it. It's almost like we push the button and turn it off. Judging ourselves is this. When God speaks to me about something, I take care of it now. You know, for a long time, I had that cancer. For a long time, you know what the doctor would say? Well, you need to do a test. You need to do a test. And you know what I'd say? No, I'm okay. No, I'm okay. Until finally I said, okay, I'll take the blood test because I didn't like needles. And right now you'd be so proud of me, I don't have to lay down to have blood taken. I am a man. And I, I, but I, I said, I'm okay. And then when they took the blood and they saw my numbers and what they were, I started thinking, you know what? I should, have, I should have been smart enough to listen to the doctor to take the test sooner. Maybe they could have done something else than what they had to do. And like the doctor said, you got here in the nick of time. And thank the Lord it hasn't spread. And I pray it doesn't. Amen. But here's, here's, here's the thing. We've got to judge ourselves when the first hint of a problem, we need to take care of it. Spiritually. You know, a lot of the cancers can be taken care of if, if they catch it early. You hear that all the time, don't you? Do you know a lot of our problems can be taken care of if we catch it early? And we have someone who reminds us early. He's called the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us. We go, I'm okay. And you might be okay for a little while. Because you know what? You might be able to handle that sin for a little bit. But there's going to come a time when that sin is so big and you can't. Do you ever see a chain smoker try to stop smoking? 
Try to get them to skip one day and they can't do it. The hand's shaking and they're uncontrollable. But there was a time when they said this, everyone, the alcoholics would do the same thing. I can take it or leave it. You see, when God speaks right away, right away take care of it. Amen. And of course, when I think about the judgment of God, I think about the judgment if you're not saved. Life's uncertain, isn't it? Many times people could be there one moment and not the next. Just people be sitting in a chair and seem fine. And you go in the other room and they come back and the spouse comes in and they're gone. Life's so uncertain. Not everybody dies, goes to a rest home and they go through the hospice and stuff like that. Many times they just fall over dead. That's why we need to be ready and be saved. This morning, is God speaking to your heart? So, preacher, I think I'm saved. But it's the Spirit of God saying, you know you're not. Now's the time to obey what the Lord says. Find yourself, the, find, find this, 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 this morning here. I need to respond to the Holy Spirit. He speaks to me about my salvation. And it would be wise to get saved today. Tomorrow may be too late. But I speak to Christians this morning too, don't I? You say, preacher, I know I'm saved. But you know what? We're going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And we judge according to this Bible here on what we've done in our life. You know what we ought to do is realize that, how important it is, and start doing what is right. Amen. God has given us a warning in his word. And the warning is Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. You know what? If you don't want wild oats, reaping of wild oats, don't sow wild oats. For the life of me, I can't understand why folks say, well, we just want our kids to go out and sow their wild oats. Let them decide. No, you don't need to sow wild oats because wild oats will reap wild oats. So we have some obligations today as a saved person. When I stop and I think all that God's done for me, how can I not serve him? How can I not follow his word? How can I not obey the Bible? I feel obligated. Not in a sense like I do with the car payment. But when I think about my thankfulness in my heart, for what the Lord's done for me. I deserve to be burning in hell right now. I'm able to stand in this church and preach the word of God. I'm able to walk on this earth and tell people about Jesus. I've got the Holy Spirit lives within me. I've got a perfect Bible. Wow. I've got a lot because of the Lord. Are you saved this morning? And then feel the obligation. Not like, well, I have to, but I want to. Why, after all he's done for me, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for this time this morning. I pray you'll speak to us about these things that we brought up. I pray that your will be done. Lord, may we be an obligated people. There's something we need to do. We need to 
May you realize all that you've done for us and feel that obligation. And may we fulfill it. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed this morning. I wonder, maybe you sat here this morning, you heard this message, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm not even sure I'm saved. Why, why I've been in church, and maybe you've been here a long time, but in the deepest part of your heart, you don't know that you're saved. Oh, why don't you trust him today? Because one of these days, he who is holy will judge you. If you're not saved, it'll be at the great white throne judgment. And I'm going to tell you right now already what you'll hear. He'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. I wonder if there'd be anyone here this morning say, preacher, I'm just not sure of heaven, but I'd like to be sure of that. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up, anyone, this morning? Preacher, that's me. I'm just not sure of it. I'm just not sure. Christian this morning. You could say, preacher, I know I'm saved. Stop for a moment and think about all that that means. You've never one second touched the fires of hell. You've been saved from an eternity of hell. You've been saved from having to walk this life all alone. You have the Holy Spirit. You have his help. You have his guidance. You have his word. Let's take on the obligation to live for him. God spoke to your heart. The altar will be open. You do what God says. And still, if you're here and not sure of salvation, if you will come and get my attention, I promise you, we'll show you in the Bible how to be saved. There's no reason for anybody to leave this building without trusting Christ, without knowing Jesus as your Savior. Father, bless the invitation time now. I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.